Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. On this week's Patriot Nation podcast, we are talking a little bit about the Bruins, unfortunately. And we also are giving you our first 53-man roster of the offseason. Clearly, we are a long way from training camp and a long way from knowing the actual 53, but we're going to give you a very early uh, 53-man roster. We're also introducing a new segment uh, a new slash old segment. It's a three-minute drill, uh, so it's all ahead. Stay tuned and cue the music. Stack receivers, two to the right. Russell Wilson extends the hands. He has it. Wilson, quick throw. And it's again and it's on a, a little bit of a somber note i would say this week oh yeah for sure uh tough loss last night you know uh what a great run though um you know, this one stings but it's, it it doesn't even it, it hurts but I, I don't know i feel i feel weird about it um you know it was like a boring day it just was like a boring game boring kind of loss like i'd much rather lose like that than like three to two in overtime you know what i'm saying yeah. Um, yeah. And also, uh, my my college roommate and a lot of teammates of mine, uh, best friends with uh, Zach Sanford, who scored the fourth goal, got implemented into the lineup in Game Four. I became pretty close to them over the last year or two. Um, you know, friend of a friend, talked to him here and there, and uh, kid went through a lot. Uh, his dad died this year in training camp, was traded, and I believe the Shattenkirk deal was a second round pick. Blew out his shoulder last year, missed the whole year. Uh, was up and down this year. And uh, got inserted in the lineup after getting scratched 16 straight games, I think. And then ends up playing with O'Reilly in game four. O'Reilly scores in four straight games, wins the con Smythe, and the Blues win. So, you know, I was happy for him. And it's it's easy to root for a kid like that. So that's kind of why it feels a little weird to me. So cause mm. it's kind of a win-win. But, yeah, you know, I know I went on a bit of a tangent there. But um, no, no, no. the Bruins fought hard, man. The Bruins fought hard, and they had a great run. You know, it just it sucks they couldn't pull it out because they had kind of an easy way to the cup. Right. It's, I mean, it is. It's one of those tough situations. And I think, you know, it goes back to a few things. I mean, first, when you look at the whole series, I th- I point to really games two and four where Bennington really didn't play well in either of those games. And the Bruins just came off flat and, and couldn't generate any offense and couldn't get pucks to, towards the net. And instead of passing, instead of, you know, shooting at the net and trying to score, they were trying to make finesse passes 
And you can't do that against this Blues team. You got to get the pucks on the net and see what happens. And and instead of doing that in games two and four, they you know they were trying their finesse crap. And because of that, they lost those two games. They could have they it could have easily been a sweep by the Bruins had they come out with the pressure that they showed last night at the beginning. And even in some you know and even some of the games that they played well and in one they had that same pressure. And in games two and four they didn't. And so I just thought you know they really cost themselves there. And I, I really noticed at first in game five where Bennington stood in his head, played great. And you looked at it and said, man, you had an opportunity to put these guys away and you didn't do it. And now he's going to play great and, and nothing you do on offense is going to be enough. And the same thing happened in game seven. And it's like, if you leave yourself, you know, if you don't do enough in those opportunities where you have a chance to clinch before, then, you know, then you're going to end up playing in a, in a, a, you know, in one game in a game seven and anything, anything can happen. You know, and as we know as Patriots fans, I mean, as we know, you know, every Patriots playoff game is a game seven. And so, you know, we understand anything can happen and often does. And it's just like it's one game. And if you have a chance to put them away in game four, you have to do it and not wait until flipping game seven. Yeah, it was in, in, in you know, credit to St. Louis, man. They uh, they were in last place at Christmas. You know, they were in the talk for Jack Hughes, who's going to go number one. I know Hockey Guy Stags is coming out. We might have to implement that into the show now. <laughs> Get my hockey minute in. But um, good story for them. And like I said, it, it it sucks for the Bruins just because it's probably, in my opinion, that the last run of that of that great core. You know, Chara, Krejci, Bergeron, Marchand, uh, Rask, that, that, that could be very much it. You know, they're all getting uh, – Time's ticking on them. Um, they're not going to be right. the same player they were. But it's time to build a new core. Easy. They got a good little core. They got Coyle coming back. McAvoy, Carlo will be here. You know, DeBrusque. Um, you know, those, those guys, Grizzlick, they, 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 that's that new core. And, uh, you know, the, the Bruins are going to be there. They'll be there in the end. But uh, it's tough to go back-to-back in hockey because this time next year, if they're playing at this time, they're going to play over 200 hockey games in a 365 day span that's very very hard so it's yeah. just so hard it's going to be uh tough for them next year but hats off to them hats off right i agree and the, the one thing i'll say and, and look i thought Tuka played great all series long um i thought you know i knew he was due for an egg sorry to cut you off but yeah. i said to my father no, no, before, no, he's been too good for too long uh, right. he was due due for an egg and, and granted they weren't his fault they didn't score a goal till there was two minutes left you're not going to win any games like that I'm sorry. Right. Um, but, no, you know, he, first goal was a tip-in. He probably should have had the second goal, but terrible change by Marshawn with, you know, 10 seconds left. I don't know where his yeah. awareness is. He's much better than that. He's been around too long to do that. And then the third goal was a terrible, you know, no one back-checking, left him out to dry, and the fourth goal was a tap-in. So, I mean, he really, you know, didn't play bad, but when you lose 4-1, to one, it's hard not to look. Everyone's going to look at the goaltender. Well, and that's – and look, I mean, here's what it comes down to for me, Right. Although, and you're right, where they really weren't his fault. If you look at it, and and the way I look at it is this, Bennington played great. And Bennington made some of those saves where they made a bad play. And the Bruins had, were wide open in the slot and had a, had a clear shot at the net right in the middle. Or, you know, Nordstrom cuts to the middle of the net and, you know, cuts the front of the net and, uh, you know, and goes from side to side. And Bennington sticks his leg out and makes a save. And, you know, he made those saves on Wednesday night and Tuka didn't. And so it's like, yeah, I mean, it's unfair to ask him to make those saves, but it's game seven. Like, you, you know, 
either either you make the plays or you don't. Either you step up or you don't. Either you make what seems like an impossible play happen or you don't. And and the Bruins didn't, you know, on the offensive end and you know, and didn't. And so, you know, it's just one of those things. Like you just can't, you know. And I don't want. I'm not saying it's on it's on Tuca 100, but I'm just saying, you know, he's got to take the blame for some of it because. Bennington on the other end, if you switch goalies, if you switch goalies, the Bruins probably win that game, you know? And so, because, you know, they score a few in the first period, you know, Bennington made some amazing saves in that game. And if Tuca doesn't make those saves, you know, then, then it's two nothing Bruins and it's a totally different game. And so, you know, I think that Bennington surviving that first period was a big part of, of how it got there. And like you said, I mean, the Marshawn change was inexcusable. And it's stuff like that where that's not championship. That's not championship caliber stuff. They were championship caliber all year long. And then to make some of the plays they made was was rough. But like I said, it comes down to one game. And and when it comes down to one game, you have to be perfect. And that's why the Patriots win so many of these playoff games because they just don't make stupid mistakes. They don't. Segue and right there. can't afford. You know, what I like that. So let's. What a segue. Yeah, you like that? <sighs> Not to cut you so, off but that's, at all. I just thought it was a good segue because no, no, I knew where you're going with it. <laughs> yeah, right. So, um, but you know, now let's shift the focus again. to the Patriots because that's the only thing we can look forward to. Because the Red Sox stink, and we could take two episodes to talk <laughs> about that. So, next thing we got to look forward to now is Patriots football. So let's get on to it. That's it, 100. percent So let's do it. So uh, as, a, as a little joint segue there. So let's. Um, we're going to get into 53 man roster and and. Um, I've been thinking about, I've been thinking about this fifty-three man roster and kind of going back and forth and where I want to start and who I want to talk about first and and uh, so first of all, my my fifty-three man roster is a fifty-four man roster. I think I'm going to cut one of the safeties out um, because I really like a few of the guys down there. Um, I'm going to make some surprise. We you know we made a few surprise cuts here and uh, we'll talk about them for a second and just kind of go through them. But uh, I guess we'll start at the quarterback position. Uh, no surprise here. Tom Brady is obviously the starting quarterback. However, the backup quarterback is Jared Stidham, and Brian Hoyer gets the axe. Um, and, it, and it's really simple for me. It, it's simple for me. They're trying to win now, and to do that, you need Brady as your starting quarterback. If Brady gets hurt, Brian Hoyer ain't taking you a championship. It's just not, it's not happening. And so, you know, why are you carrying that extra roster spot when you have a ton of talented guys in other spots? Um, you know, and so. And there's other guys on the list, like Demarius Thomas is, you know, is a little bit later down the list, but maybe he's a guy that starts out on, you know, on the pup list. So maybe that's, maybe Hoyer sneaks onto it there. Or maybe there's another guy that, you know, that's on our, that's on our, our, our 53-man roster here that ends up on IR. So maybe Hoyer sneaks on here. But to me, you know, I think when you look at it, there's just too many talented guys in this roster to keep three quarterbacks. It doesn't make any sense. You know, it's not like you're going to win the Super Bowl with a backup quarterback here. So, you know, if you think Stidham's the future, have him be the backup and and roll with two quarterbacks. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, it does. And, uh, you know, I mean, granted, Pat, we all know if Tom Brady gets hurt, like, you know, knock on wood, we, ne- we never want to hear those words come out of our mouths. But right. either way, they're, they're not in a great position, you know. So it, it starts with him. It starts with the quarterback. It's quarterback league. Yep, 100%. So, so all right, let's move on to running backs. Uh, obviously, Sony Michelle. A lot of people questioned, you know, what was going on in OTAs and minicamp. Uh, obviously, the report came out that he had his knee scoped. 
not a great sign, obviously, but you know, it's not a contract dispute. They're not trading him. He just, he just wasn't healthy. So, uh, so Sony, uh, Harris, obviously the rookie, uh, James White, James Devlin, and uh, Brandon Bolden. And another surprise cut here, uh, we're lopping off. Well, I, I don't know if we, we might disagree on this. I, I was, I'm lopping off Burkett here. I think, again, uh, you know, you're keeping five running backs. I think keeping six running backs is a lot because um, I think you want to keep, I want to keep at least more wide receivers. Burkhead, maybe, I don't know. I'm on the fence between Burkhead and wide receivers is next. And Jacoby Myers is, is on my list at wide receiver. And those two are really the, the guys where I'm, I look at it and say, it's either going to be Jacoby Myers or, or Rex Burkhead because I just don't, I, I don't know. You just can't keep everyone, you know? No, and it makes sense, man. It doesn't. And that's one of those, you know, they've cut running backs in the past, you know. Look at Gillisley came in with this high praise, led the league in the year the year before, what, average yards per carry or something right. like that. And, you know, he did nothing here. And I really, really, really like Damian Harris and his ceiling. Um, so, obviously, he's going to make the team and get his touches. Uh, really like, you know, obviously, Sonny Michelle is a lock. We know he's, you know, barring he's healthy, he's supposed to be ready for training camp. Uh, you know, James White's going to be on the team. And, and Brandon Bolden, they just brought him back, one of the best special teamers they got on that on that bunch. Um, so, right. they, you know, whether they go with that many running backs, I don't know, because I don't know how you can get all them carries. Um, but, you know, they all have a prior injury history besides, you know, White and Harris. Uh, it's always good. You don't want it because, you know, if one of them, if Rex Burkhead gets cut that, he's going to get picked up in a second. So, Right. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, Burkhead is a guy that, you know, that will – that will be gone instantly. You're not getting him back once you cut him. But again, you, you have to cut it somewhere. I don't think they cut Brandon Bolden. I think he's here to stay. Uh, so to me, kind of that natural progression is Burkhead. He's an injury risk anyways. And so, you know, so we'll see. And we'll talk about, you know, the wide receiver spot here we have coming up. So there might be some questionable ones here. But again, um, I think wide receiver is that position, especially with the tight end spot looking as thin as it does. Uh, but here we go. Julian Edelman, obviously. Nikhil Harry, obviously, Maurice Harris, Demarius Thomas, Braxton Berrios, Matthew Slater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, and and again, Jacoby Myers for me is a guy that they like a lot. And if he flashes in preseason, it's a guy that you're not going to be able to sneak through onto waivers. And so you may have to stash him on the roster. Maybe he goes on IR. You know, maybe he's not ready this year and he goes on IR, but I think, you know, a guy like that, it's difficult to cut a guy like that and have him sneak through waivers and not get picked up by someone else. Yeah, I agree. And I, I agree totally with that list, um, you know, but I, and, I, and I really, really like Barrios. You guys know, um, we talked about, it, I think, on, on the past couple of shows, but he's a guy that, um, you know, can kind of fit. I know we hear this all the time when they draft someone that similar style that he can be the next Edelman, but he can learn under him for a year. Uh, you know, he probably won't get won't be active much, but we'll see what he can do. Right. Right. And that's, I mean, that's all you're really looking for. And, and um, you know, Dontrell Inman, Inman was on this list for me. I thought he played well enough last year for Indy. I always liked him when he was on San Diego or LA now, whatever, wherever the hell they play. Um, but, you know, from all the reports from minicamp was that, you know, the NOTAs even, you know, Harris and Berrios clearly outplayed him. Um you know, and looked like far superior receivers than Inman, and they were getting more work. As a matter of fact, 
I don't know if it was the last practice or the second to last practice or even the last two practices combined, he had zero catches. So, you know, it's one of those things where he maybe he maybe he doesn't factor in. Now, obviously, maybe things change in the next month and a half. You don't know. Um, but, you know, where it's looking now, where it's trending right now, Inman's off the list, and that's why he's off the list. So, um, so let's, let's move into tight ends here. Obviously, Ben Watson is on the list, but he's suspended. So he doesn't count against the initial 53-man roster. He'll be on the team but he doesn't count against that initial 53-man roster. And after week four, they're going to have to cut someone to bring him on or, again, put someone IR to bring him on. or you know, However they do it, they'll have to get someone off the off the active roster. Uh, so to me, it's Lacoste, it's Izzo, and maybe Robertson. They just traded for this kid, Roberts. He's more of a plotter. He's, not, he's a good blocker, decent receiver. I met, put up 16 touchdowns a senior year, um, you know, as a receiver, but he doesn't have – much speed. So, you know, is he a great receiver? Pretty good receiver, but can he really be a great receiver in the NFL? Yeah, I don't know. You know, and so maybe he makes a scheme, maybe he doesn't. He's kind of on the fence for me. Um, again, he's just kind of like a throw in last second. I was like, oh, what are we going to do with him? Um, you know, I could see him even being a guy that, you know, I think he's practice squad eligible that could be practice squad eligible and, and try to sneak on there. Um, but either way, I think Lacoste and Izzo, to me, are the two guys that are on the roster 100% week one. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, obviously, we'll see. That's definitely, you know, every year there seems to be in the media pumps out a position that they are so scary and so weak at, and it it's freaks everybody out. You know, last year was the wide receiver corpse, and they got by just fine. Uh, I don't think Edelman could be able to do it again the way he did, um, but you know, this year it's a tight end, and, and you know, I, I fully expect them to, you know, they might spread it out a little bit more. You know, you saw Brady was bulking up. Maybe they're going to try to drive the ball downfield more, not use their tight end. But I think whoever they put there, I trust that they'll be able to get the job done. Agreed. Agreed. And, and again, that's why we have more receivers on the roster, because the tight end is, is thin. So, all right, so next on the list is offensive line here. And obviously you have your starting five. You have Isaiah Wynn, you have Joe Thune, you have David Andrews, you have Shaq Mason, you have Marcus Cannon. And then after that, you get the two rookies, uh, you know, Yardney Kajust and Froholt. And then to me, you got one more guy in there, and that's uh, Ted Karras. Because Karras, to me, has uh, he has guard experience, he has center experience as well. So you get your swing tackle and Kajust, you get really your guard backup. Uh, really kind of maybe that maybe even like a future guard in Froholt. And again, Karras is more of your kind of every man can, can slide, can slide into, you know, guard or center, depending on what they need. Uh, you know, maybe they only keep seven and maybe they don't keep eight. And that's where you kind of make the numbers up. Um, but I think that that's, you know, that's where they're going to go O-line. I think for sure the two rookies end up on the roster because they were drafted too high, I think, to cut and still end up on the team. Um, but you never know. Yeah, and I, I really like both of Froholt and Kajuice. Um, you know, didn't see much of them, didn't really cover them, but seeing their threads and their draft, they, they're they're good, man. And 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 with, you know, Shaq Mason's missed some games. You know, Marcus Cannon, he's always good for missing a couple. You know, it's never bad a bad thing to carry. You know, too much offensive line help, especially with Brady's age. Right. Agreed. Agreed. So all right, let's move over to the defensive side of the ball. I'm going to go D-line first. I'm not going to separate D-tackle and D-end or whatever. I'm just going to go straight D-line. Uh, again, it's a kind of a long list, but, it, you know, usual suspects here, Dietrich Wise, Lawrence Guy, Mike Pennell, Michael Bennett, 
Danny Shelton. Then you got Winovich, the rookie, Adam Butler. And then to me, John Simon is the last guy on that list. I think that he really played well last year. Uh, and he he has he a role. He was big in the Super Bowl. He was. He was. And he, and he really played well at the end of the year, kind of all around. The one guy that's kind of on the bubble for me and really got to see how he plays is Cowart. He's the rookie from uh, Maryland. He's a kid who, you know, went to Auburn. Uh, was like, I mean, this kid was legit, like top five prospect, top five overall prospect coming out of high school, you know, ended up transferring to Maryland, was, you know, super, super, uh, you know, had some off-field issues, things going on, um, but has the talent. The talent is there. And so if he really makes a name for himself, uh, you know, in preseason and you see him a lot in training camp and they don't think they can sneak him onto the, you know, onto the practice squad, He's a guy that could make the active roster or, again, could could go to IR. We see those guys happen all the time. Christian Sam's one of them last year where, like, he just randomly ended up on IR after after preseason game four and no one knew anything was wrong. So he could be a guy like that. But to me, he's that last guy, uh, you know, kind of last guy in, first guy out type mentality. Yeah, and one guy, I forget if you mentioned him or not, uh, if we had him on there, but Derek Rivers, I'm interested to see uh, what he can do. Um, you know, it's just had a kind of a terrible start to his career. Obviously, tore the ACL, couldn't find his way. Um, being active last year, but I think there's still some there. Um, if they can get it out of him, I mean, this training camp's big for him, though. This is his kind of make or break it year. Yeah, well, this is this is the year, man, and uh, and he's not on this list, and so you know that tells yeah, you. Yeah, I, I didn't think where, I didn't think I heard him. I didn't I didn't think that I heard him. No, no, this tells you where you know where our thinking is right now. Just because I haven't seen anything. We haven't seen anything from, you know, he's been here and we all expected him to kind of make that second year jump, you know, happened to Trey Flowers, Trey Flowers missed the year and he made that second year jump and that never happened, uh, you know, with Rivers. And so maybe he'll make that jump this year, but this is it. If he doesn't make that jump at training camp this year, he's not on this roster. And I think that, you know, the guys above him, he's got to beat out Simon and he's got to beat out Ben. I mean, he's not going to beat out Ben, but he's got to beat out Simon. And really, you know, Winovich is going to get cut, but he's got to beat. That's a, that's the guy he's got to beat is Simon. And if he can't do that, then then he's not on the roster. And I don't, to be honest with you, I, I think Simon's a better player. So I think that's why he's there. And, uh, you know, and maybe Rivers will have success somewhere else, but I don't think it's going to be here. So uh, so we'll see. But that's but that's going to be an interesting one to watch. And, again, Coward's the kind of the guy that's on the fence. Uh, D-tackle, really, in line. And that DN spot is going to be Rivers. And those are going to be the two guys, I think, that are really going to be, um, you know, kind of on the bubble on the D-line. So, um, all right, uh, linebacker. The, again, this is kind of a long one. Uh, Hightower, obviously, Van Noy, Landon Roberts, Bentley, and Jamie Collins. And then I throw King, Brandon King on there. King's obviously just a special teams guy. But, you know, but Brandon King, one of, you know, one of the elite special teams guys in the league. Uh, again, technically a linebacker, but – He's there for special teams. Yeah, I can't really disagree with that with that list. Uh, that linebacker course was a beast last year, especially late in the year. And I cannot wait to get Jawan Bentley back because he's a beast. And I, hey, I'm interested to see too about Jamie Collins. But he, if he has anything left of the tag, see if he can. You know, obviously been in this system before, been around these guys. I don't think that transition will be too too tough for him. Um, and I hope he can bring some impact, but definitely a lot more depth there this year than they did last year. Hundred percent, and you know we wrote. About, I wrote about it uh, when they signed him. That you know he's 
he could be this year's Pat Chung and the fact that, you know, they bring him in and they, you know, they let him do his thing and they just say, Hey, you know, we have a specific job for you and you're going to, you know, roam around. We're going to use your athleticism for, you know, for something. So uh, I think that that's, that might be the spot where they use him and, but they have a lot of guys like that, man. So it should be, uh, it should be interesting. So, um, all right. So uh, let's go to cornerback. Uh, obviously, again, usual suspects here, Stephon Gilmore, J-Mac, J.C. Jackson, Duke Dawson. And then you got a few other guys. Now, Joe Juwan Williams is going to be on the team. Obviously, second-round draft pick clearly is going to be on the team. And then you got, to me, the next two guys are Keon Crossan and Jonathan Jones. There are a lot of good players on that on that cornerback list that don't make the Loaded. team. Loaded. Right. And so – you know, someone gets cut and ends up on the on the practice squad, or, or who knows? But this is the deepest secondary they've had in a long, long time. Oh yeah, they're they're absolutely loaded, man. And you talk about the depth. I mean, Duke Dawson missed the year, um, like active, inactive at the end of the year, couldn't find his way in. But mm-hmm. I'm interested to see him. Second round pick, Joe Juan Williams, beast. People said he was a stretch late one. You know, Stephon Gilmore, arguably, in my opinion, the best cornerback in the league, so consistent. And then J.C. Jackson in the second year, hopefully he can avoid a little bit of a sophomore slump. But, oof, you know, and even right. if one of them goes down, you slide another one into another position, and, and they'll be fine. Right. Right. I mean, that's really that's really what you're looking at, man, is that, you know, they just – and you said it too, the depth there, you just slide a guy in. You know, one guy gets hurt, that boom, they just they, – uh, you know, they, they fill someone else in. So – it's uh man, you know, it it'll be fun to watch. And again, that's another spot where you got a guy like Joe Juan Williams, where you know he is a big guy. He's not going to be playing outside corner, but is he going to be lined up against linebackers? Is he going to be blitzing? Is he going? You know, what's he going to be doing? And so, you know, it's 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 interesting to see what happens. And so, uh, so I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, and so. Safety is going to round up the defense, and that's going to uh, that's going to be DMAC, obviously, Jerron Harmon and Pat Chung. And then, to me, the two guys that I love in the in the safety spot are Obi, um, and uh, and this kid Gant that they got, uh, this rookie Gant that they got, was um, you know undrafted rookie. They like this kid a lot. There's always uh, been an undrafted free agent that made the team too. So there is. You always got to look out for one of them. Right. And this kid, um, he just, I mean, they just, they love him. And, you know, I believe, uh, I'm pretty sure Malik Gant went to uh, Marshall, I believe. He actually um, was, it was a walk on uh, that to Marshall. And now, and here he is like now on the Patriots. And so, you know, I think that that guy makes the roster. But again, I think one of those guys doesn't. And I hope it's OB because he's around here. He's from around here. So it'd be cool if he was still in the squad. But uh again, I don't know if 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 Gant sneaks through to the practice squad. So, but again, loaded in the secondary. And I really just think those three those three safeties. Thron Harmon is probably the most underrated safety in the entire NFL. Um, you know, it's just they're just they're so loaded in the back end. Loaded. I mean, and, and that secondary, man, I mean, the, the hype is real. I mean, their defense was unbelievable last year. Uh, got better week to week, really. Um, you know, some of those games they lost late in the year really wasn't on the defense. They couldn't get the ball going, couldn't get Brady going. 
Um, and then in the playoffs, they were just absolute nails, you know. Um, and they and they got stronger, they got you know better, they got more healthy. I'm really really excited to see the secondary and see you know kind of kind of some different splits they use, who they use in what position, uh, you know, and what scheme and who's doing what. They got a lot of talent and, and can kind of play guys a lot all over the place. And they got some veterans there too, you know. That 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 safety corps and Chung, McCordy and Harmon, they they really lean on guys like that, especially for those young corners. So, right, a hundred percent. 100%. So uh should be fun. And then secondary guys, uh guys in the uh not secondary guys, special teams guys, I'm sorry. Uh obviously Gostowski and Cardona, kicker and long snapper, and I think punter's going to be Jake Bailey. Uh and Ryan Allen had a phenomenal Super Bowl. He had a really had a really good year for the Patriots last year, but you don't draft a punter in the draft unless he's going to start for your team. You don't. Yeah, see that's where we disagreed a little bit. I I can't see them bringing Allen back and and fighting that hard to get him back, they cut him. But we'll see. I mean, I yeah. trust their judgment. I'd obviously, if they keep Allen, unbelievable. If they if they get the other guy, then he must be pretty damn good because Allen's one of the best. Yeah. Well, and here here's one thing about Bailey that could be interesting. Cuts don't happen until after until after the fourth game. Okay. Let's just say everyone's got a punter. Maybe. They cut Bailey, and he sneaks onto the practice squad, and you're able to get him onto the practice squad. You know, it, punter's kind of a position where you're going to have a punter going into the season. If you don't have one already, you're going to have one. So maybe they draft a guy like Bailey because they wanted they wanted the shot at him. They didn't want him to be an undrafted guy. Or maybe they said someone's going to draft him in the sixth round instead. And, you know, they get him, but then the team that was going to draft him, or the team that liked him, well, they have a punter now. And, you know, if you pick him up off waivers, he has to go onto your active roster. He doesn't get to go on your practice squad. He has to go onto your active roster. So you have to cut the punter that's on your team. So maybe, like you said, you know, maybe they keep, maybe they keep Allen, they cut Bailey, and they try to sneak him onto the practice squad. Allen plays his last year here in New England. And, you know, and Bailey and Bailey takes over next year. And so, you know, we'll see what happens. But you're right. I mean, you are right. They did fight for Allen, and they, you know, they wanted him back, and and he is back for one more year. Um, you know, I just think it, I think it'd also be weird if you draft a punter in the fifth round when you when you had opportunities to take other guys, and um, and you don't. So that's that's just my opinion. But but yeah, you know, that's a you, good take. I totally I right. like that. You know, that that's a good take. Never really thought of it that way, and I and I bet that that that's kind of where their minds at. So yeah. Um, so we'll see. Yeah. So, all right. So that, that does the 53-man roster. Let us know. Let us know what you think. You know, I'm sure, you know, if you think Derek Rivers is definitely on the squad, if you think I'm an idiot, you know, if you think we're stupid for saying Rex Burkett's going to cut, let us know. Because I think that, you know, and obviously, there's a long way to go. A bunch of guys are going to get injured in preseason. And, and you know, it, like it always happens during, you know, training camp preseason. Guys are going to get hurt. Guys are going to end up on the IR. You know, there's going to be one or two surprise cuts. They're probably going to trade for someone, you know, during training camp. And so it's like, you know, the 53-man roster we give you now, I would say there is there is a point zero 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 one percent chance that that's going to be the actual 53-man roster. But it's a fun exercise to do while we're waiting for football season to come back. So so let's do it, you know. So that's the way, that's the way we look at it, you know. Absolutely. So, um, all right. So we're going to go into our new, into our new segment here. It is called the three minute drill. Here's the deal. It's pretty simple. Okay. It's three minutes about anything. 
just something. Just and like now for something random, a little different. Topic. Check, and check, so you check. Three know minute drill. Three minute drill. I'm going to start the three minutes on my phone. And literally an alarm is going to sound at the end of three minutes. And that's when we're going to finish. And so we're just going to go for three minutes. And, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to go from there. So, uh, so uh, let's go. Yeah, so, you know, for our segment, I think we kind of want to tie ours together here. Um, you know, David Ortiz, obviously, we heard the news, I believe it was Sunday night, and it really devastated all of us, um, you know, us here in Boston. I mean, if you're listening here, I'm sure you know. If you're listening and you're not from here, I'm sure you know the impact this guy had on the city. Changed baseball here, ended, you know, arguably the worst curse in sports history. You know, just everything the guy did, smiled you know, clutch when the, when the city needed help, he stood up and really, you know, this guy just had such a big impact on the city and, you know, Boston's won so many championships and David Ortiz has been, you know, arguably one, two in that, in that um, era, obviously Tom Brady, number one. So I don't mean one, two, I'm saying two to three and he's, you know, locked in at number two. So that guy means so much here and we, we wish him the best. Yeah, it's it's true. I mean, the impact that he's had on the city is crazy. And you look at the at the people in Boston, and that's that's really you know what to your point where you're talking about, man, is that we've won so many championships, and he's probably the second most important player, you, you know, in Boston. And you talk about the guys, and you know, and 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 what he means to the city, and how much we love him, and not just here, everybody loves. Him. There isn't one fan of baseball that hates David Ortiz. Nobody, none of them. They all love the guy because he's always smiling. He's always having fun. And he just seems like such a genuine guy. And he's built, you know, hospitals and, you know, and schools and stuff over in the Dominican. He's done so much. And those Dominican players look up to him so much. And it's really just, it's a shame that, you know, that it happened. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things. And of course, we don't know the whole story. We don't know what happened down there. Um, you know, there's been all sorts of reports, but we don't know what's true and what isn't true. What we do know is that, you know, is that he was shot and he's he's recovering. And the Red Sox flew a damn plane down there and brought him to Boston. It was it was great. It was amazing. And so, you know, the Bruins win Game Six, and people are excited about that. And then you hear about Ortiz getting shot, and you're like, what? Like it just ruins the whole moment for you, uh, you know? And um, really, kind of a scary, scary, scary few hours there when you didn't know what was going on. Yeah, it was it was upsetting, you know, it kind of took the you know, um it took the shine out of the great day that was, I guess you could say. Yeah. And uh, you know, obviously the Bruins couldn't pull it out. A lot of people were really focused on that yesterday, but now our focus is not that it wasn't focused on him, but you know, that's a little bit of a sidetrack and uh hopefully the, the Red Sox can get it together and kind of go on a run for him because what he means to this city and and what they did for that organization, uh that that ought to kick him in the ass a little bit. Yeah, that'd be nice. It'd be really nice. And, and again, I mean, you just think about how many great athletes have been here and how important he is and really all time athletes. You talk about all time athletes. He's, you know, he's on that list of all time athletes. Oh, there's the timer. So that's it. That's our three minute drill. So, um, so that's it. So that's what we'll be doing every week is we'll be giving you guys three minutes on something. And again, it'll be off topic. It's not going to be a Patriots topic. Uh, obviously, this week's a little bit different because we started with Bruins as well. 
Um, but that's really kind of, uh, you know, I, I think that ties in with the Patriots a little bit when you talk about winning championships and you know, playing those single games and stuff. And so, uh, but we will be giving you three minutes and uh, maybe we'll be even giving you a Spags hockey minute every now and again. You never know. Maybe uh, maybe when the season kicks that off. Or, when, when, when needed, when needed. We'll give you the heads up. Yeah, love it. Love it. We'll definitely, uh, we'll bring that, we'll bring that back for sure. So that's going to do Great it for, show, for everybody. Yeah, we appreciate you guys coming along for the ride, and uh, and we'll be coming out with another fifty three man roster. We have some some interesting shows coming up. Uh, I have a cool draft uh, in the works. We're trying to iron out the uh, the details of the date that it will be, but um, but it should be a lot of fun. So some things uh, some things on the horizon. We'll keep new content coming out for you every week. Appreciate you listening. Listen, if you can go on, I saw a few new um, a few new comments there on uh, on iTunes. Really appreciate the comments there. If you can keep them coming, you know five stars and listen you don't like the show give us a five-star review and tell us how much we suck but give us the five-star review we'd appreciate it and you know uh you know keep it moving forward so again thanks for listening and uh and we'll talk to you next week talk to you everyone